Blog Talk Radio. joining us tonight. You're listening to What is Art with co-hosts Mike Harris and Sharon Hawkshaw. Hello. What is Art is presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online, and a Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. You can visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. There you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions, and our blog as well. Tonight, we will be discussing the pop art of Andy Warhol. And before we get started uh, discussing Andy Warhol and all of his artwork, and he was a prolific artist, uh, we need to really discuss what's going on with uh, all of the shows that are popping up across the country. This, This really seems to be the year of Andy Warhol, included in museums across the country. The National Gallery had a huge uh, Andy Warhol exhibit through the late spring into the summer, and now there's a new exhibit at the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. And Andy Warhol's, uh, uh, they will be discussing Andy Warhol's far-reaching impact on contemporary art. And this uh, exhibition will be showing uh, 45 pieces of Warhol's and then 100 additional works from uh, 60 other artists. And included in those 60 artists, they're going to be showing Richard uh, Abaddon, Jeff Koons, uh, Damien Hurst, uh, Chuck Close, uh, Basquette's work. So this is really quite a show. Among the highlights of Warhol's works will be the silk screen of uh, cow wallpaper and pillow balloons. And these are works that inspired other artists to look beyond the traditional canvas space. And he will also, uh, they will also be showing his full-length acrylic and silkscreen image of graffiti artist Jean-Michael Basquiat. Uh, works by other artists, uh, as stated earlier, Basquiat's Untitled Head will be uh, on display. And this is a vibrant image depicting the head of an African-American on the verge of explosion. And that will be hung near Warhol's Orange di- uh, Disaster, hash number five, of electric chairs. And then Jeff Koons' gold and white porcelain statue, which is entitled Michael Jackson and Bubbles. Uh, the pop artist appealed 25 years after his death, and he did die very young at age 58. Uh, it really is undeniable. And uh, he's still very popular and with the mass consumers as he was when he was alive. Uh, The Andy Warhol Foundation actually just recently granted uh, approval to Campbell Soup Company to release a series of limited edition tomato soup cans printed with Andy uh, Warhol uh, canvases and works of art, which I think is really quite funny that they have to ask permission from the foundation to use Andy Warhol's painting, which is of a Campbell's soup can. (laughs) You You made it so iconic, you know. (laughs) But even the the company that created the name and that initial image has to ask permission to use it. And amongst that, uh, or additional information with that, 
the Met exhibition uh, begins with a section titled Daily News, um, From Banality to Disaster, and that's going to explore the fascination with the, uh, his interest in everyday objects, such as the Campbell's Soup Can, Brillo Soap Pad Boxes, and, and other um, iconic uh, everyday uh, items for purchase. And then there's also going to be a section titled uh, Portraiture, Celebrity and Power, and this is going to include his iconic soap screens, Turquoise Maryland of the Marilyn Monroe series, and Red Jackie, which is of Jacqueline Kennedy, and that's from the Jacqueline Kennedy series. And that's going to be shown alongside of Closest Phil of composer Philip Glass, Avedon's Truman Capote, and Francesco Vazali's Eliza Minnelli. So they're going to be hanging in, uh, you know, good company. And then further, they're going to also be looking at his in queer studies, camouflage and shifting identities. And this exhibition looks at Warhol's groundbreaking themes, sexuality and gender identity, his self-portrait of 1986, which was created the year of his death, and that is paired with David Hockney's Boy About, uh, A Boy About to Take a Shower, as well as works by Robert Gober and Douglas Gordon. And this is actually quite timely, and the Met actually uh, added this uh, piece to the show uh, towards the end of their uh, choreography, basically because of all of the ballots. This is an election year, and a lot of states do have uh, same-sex marriage uh, on their ballots for, for votes. So this was added in because it's actually quite timely. And then, of course, then the exhibition also deals with Warhol's appropriation of historic images like the famous Mona Lisa and obsession with endless repetition and patterns, which he is quite famous for. And these are all paired with works by Richard Prince and Christopher Wool. So, I mean, this is, there's really a lot going on in this exhibition because it really is an introspective look um, at the man and his work. But as I said earlier in the very beginning, this is not the only show that has been occurring this year. Uh, the National, as I said, they had a huge introspective. There was an introspective in Chicago and just really just across L.A., just across the country. So uh, I'm not quite sure, maybe because it is 25 years after his death, and that's why you know, a quarter of a century later to take a look to see if, if, uh, the impact that he still has on uh, modern artists today. But having said all that, I guess the most interesting thing or most newsworthy item with regards to Andy Warhol, as far as I am concerned, is that over the next five years, Christie's has been awarded the, the prize trophy. Uh, the foundation uh, that monitors and controls Andy Warhol's, all of his work, they are going to be selling off the mass majority of all of the work that they actually control. And this is huge because they are going to be flooding the market with Andy Warhol work. And because of that, the question is, is that going to dilute the price and the value of his work, or is it going to be a, a frenzy, you know, just a feeding frenzy, and the prices are going to go to the ceiling? So then the question leads, well, why are they doing this? Well, and I didn't know this. This was actually news to me. But the Andy Warhol Foundation actually gives away an estimate of a hundred million. I'm sorry, an estimate of a 13.5 million dollars a year, and they give these grants to individual artists, small galleries, and museums 
to continue the promotion of new, young, contemporary art. And I didn't know that. So I thought, okay, well, that's really interesting. So in a way, you really hope that they really it becomes a feeding frenzy because the money is going to a good cause. So they're hoping or they're estimating that they should um, probably gain uh, a net of $100 million. And, of course, that's a net because Christie's is going to take its cut. Christie's is not about to give their cut to charity. <laughs> Can't stand business that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so <laughs> the foundation is hoping that they will net $100 million, and then that will give them their ability to increase their annual grant writing from $13.5 million to $20 million a year moving forward. So I thought that was really quite interesting. And then what is really interesting is among the pieces for sale, because there's a lot of small pieces for sale in uh, this allotment over the next five years, but uh, one of the pieces is the Jackie Onassis collage. So that should fetch quite a bit of money, and that's an iconic piece. And then the other piece, which is not so iconic, but it's pertinent, because it's called the three target. It was Andy Warhol's digestive look of guns and bullets, and he created this piece right after he had been gunned down. So it was his look at guns and bullets and what that does. So I thought that was, although it's not a you know a very famous piece, it's a very important piece. It will be interesting to see what that actually garners in terms of price. Well, I'm going to jump out there on a limb and say, even though certainly we're we're dealing with some tough economic times right now, I vote that it will be a feeding frenzy. I say that, uh, you know, certainly he is one of the most successful artists of any time as far as what his work is selling for. As recently as 2009, uh, his six Elvises sold for a reported $100 million in a private transaction. He's certainly in the top five of artworks that is sold for the highest prices. I think it will turn into a feeding frenzy. <laughs> well, because the, the foundation has every scrap of paper that this man ever doodled on. I mean, they have everything. So pieces that have never even been seen before are going to be released to the public and sold. So I think the fact that they've never even been seen before is going to give them, is going to garner them a higher price tag because it's always special when you can discover new things from uh, an artist, and especially if the artist is dead. <laughs> it's, right. it's, even, it's even more of a present. So, yeah, I think that it will probably be a feeding frenzy. Although the critics are saying that although it will do extremely well, they don't think that it's going to garner uh, some of the top prices that his pieces have sold for because they're not iconic. But I I disagree. I think that uh, the Jackie Onassis one will garner a huge number, and I'm sure we're going to see some interesting things in there that will fetch a huge price tag. So, you know, the question is, is that really, is it worth the, the price tag that it has? And, you know, people love Andy Warhol. I mean, people who don't know anything about art, they love Andy Warhol. 
And they love Andy Warhol because, and let's face it, he was a great marketer. He knew how to garner the affection of the public, and he knew how to hold their attention because it was just a bizarre little thing. And so, you know, people like the bizarre. I mean, that's probably like reality shows because they're bizarre. It's not normal human behavior. And, and we like to see that we're a sick society. So I don't know if it's really worth it. I think a lot of his work was repetitive and not all that creative and artistic. I think that he was artistic and innovative in his time in certain parts of his career. But I think, again, he just kind of fell to whatever he could produce because he knew there was a price tag associated associated with it. I think that he fell into the same category with Salvador Dali. I, Salvador Dali, he had a crew uh, working on his artwork, in the studio back in Spain while he's tripping across the countryside with movie stars and politicians and, you know, and partying up a storm like he's a rock star. So, I mean, to the point where now there are uh, pieces of Salvador Dali that they question are even Salvador Dali. I want to say that's also been come up even with Andy Warhol, uh, the same the same argument. Some of his work has been questioned because of his use of associates and assistants. Yeah, because he was too busy throwing a party and inviting Elizabeth Taylor and Michael Jackson and the other, you know, freak that he could, you know, get to show up. I mean, it was just all about the circus. I mean, Andy Warhol liked the circus, and he liked to be, uh, what do you call it, the one in the center? Uh, center of a, he was the center of his galaxy, that is for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He was definitely the, the 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 circus coordinator of his of his reality. He certainly was. I totally agree with that. And and he just came along at a really poignant time, a really great time in history. And the fact that the middle class, not only in the United States but in Europe, for the first time in history, had disposable income and a lot of it. You know, the fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. As the middle America, they were a shopping frenzy. Not only did they have more cash than they ever had before because mostly two-income households, but there was a thing called credit <laughs> that showed up on the scene. And credit could get you anything, even if you couldn't afford it. Art was selling. It wasn't Art was no longer for just the rich and the elite. It was for the everyday person. Anyone could get their hands on artwork. That just really opens the door to many artists who probably would have never even had a chance to have been an artist. And the perfect example of that was Basquette, you know, a child from what his father was Haitian and his mother was from a South American country or from Mexico. I'm not sure which one, you know. And she had mental illness, and Dad was too busy working and trying to feed and raise what four children? I think there were four or five children. So he was left to his own devices and ended up homeless by his own choice. He carried home to his father several times before he successfully finally ran away. And doodling on sidewalks and on sides of buildings, runs into Andy Warhol and becomes one of Andy Warhol's little projects. And next thing you know, he's a famous artist as well at a very young age. What, 18? He was, he was famous because he didn't live long. He died, what, when he was 25, 28 years old? Yeah. So he had a very short life. And he was famous uh, for a good 10 years of his life. So it was probably like 17 or 18 when he became famous. And uh, this was 
because there was a famous kind of thing. There was a ton of money trying looking to buy art. You know, arts artists were successful. You know, Jeff Koons is another one. He's constantly ridiculed for being an opportunist, uh, being an entrepreneur first and an artist second. He's and this is made possible because of people like uh, you know Dolly and Picasso and and our friend here Warhol. You know, for those of us who are you know classic painters, we we snub our noses at them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to give you that he he certainly was aware of commercialism. Certainly, his art he used commercialism as his art medium, if you will, in some respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the other hand, I think, you know, when I look at Andy's work, I think certainly shows an insight into the life and times of America of the 60s. I mean, it wasn't all commercial. Dogs attacking protest marchers isn't commercial. Certainly he did a lot of famous people and some people that weren't so famous. And just the imagery, I, I think his imagery... I, you know, I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he gets enough credit, or, or he doesn't. He does, you know, have a window to the life and times of of the '60s and '70s. He has a window of the life and times, the party life and times of the window of '60s and '70s. Okay, <laughs> you know, he was uh, he was Studio 54. You know that yeah. that was the window that he had. I mean, okay, I'll give you, I'll give you this. So yes, he. He, at times, would do something that was maybe poignant, which helps legitimize him as an artist. And even I still think that that was calculated, that he knew that he could, he had to do more than paint a Campbell's soup can if he was mm-hmm. going to go down in the annals of really truly being a great artist. He knew it. And I think that that was calculated. I think that he was a very intelligent man, and he knew exactly what he was doing when he was doing it. Certainly, maybe so, because uh, he was quoted in the 70s in an interview where he said, making money is art, and working is art, and good business is the best art. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that summed it all up, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, other than, and I certainly enjoy his work, but he had a number of just, cute saying, and some that have become, you know, household words. He's originator of 15 Minutes of Fame. Most people probably don't know that, but that was uh, his his quote that has hung on to this day of 15 Minutes of Fame. Well, he definitely had more than 15 Minutes of Fame. Yes, he had a 30-year or 20-some-odd-year 20, 20 run uh, of fame uh, from oh, the yeah. early 60s to the, to the late 80s. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, another one who was just as popular in his time frame, just as popular, that was in that pop art movement uh, was Roy Lichtenstein. It, it, really, his work is just really, uh, it's just beautiful and comes completely from his uh, imagination. Uh, he didn't need a soup can or a Brillo pad box uh, to recreate. I mean, just amazing images. And you always know when you see a Lichtenstein, and I guess really you have to say, you always know when you see a Warhol. 
It's just really kind of hard not to know that it's a Warhol. So I think it's very hard to not know it's a Lichtenstein. I just thought that as famous as his artwork was, you really didn't see or hear from Lichtenstein as a person. I mean, Warhol was doing commercials. Just like Dolly. I can remember growing up and seeing Dolly do the Razor commercials. Mm-hmm. With that long mustache, and I'm, thinking, yep. and I'm thinking, why is he doing a razor commercial when he won't cut the mustache off? That was just always, I just couldn't understand <laughs> why they pick him to do a razor commercial. As a small child, I'm thinking this. And I, you know, I don't know. And I don't think they sold a lot of razors, but he certainly did the razor commercial. And Warhol did a Coca-Cola commercial. I remember right. him doing a Coca-Cola commercial. I think that they, I think that they were their biggest art piece. Not what they created on canvas. It was just them. They were their biggest uh, masterpiece. And uh, the art piece constantly in motion. And Lichtenstein had just as much uh, success in terms of selling his artwork. Mass appeal. But you never saw him. People would be hard-pressing to the state to, uh, to tell you they, they know what he looks like. You can put a picture of him up and people would never know that this, that was Roy Lichtenstein. Because you never saw him. And I think that and when you look at his work and the detail of his work, I mean, I think you can really tell that he spent a lot of time doing his work and he was his work. And he was, in my opinion, I just really think that he was just truly, he was, he really defined the meaning of being a great artist. He was successful in his time. And he didn't you know, change his work to please anybody. He did what he wanted to do. It was, and his life was about his work, not about the celebrity. And I say, and I think that Dolly and I think that uh, Warhol have uh, have uh, in a way destroyed the business of being a great artist. In that, if you want to be a great artist in this day and age, you really have to prostitute yourself to a large degree. I mean, uh, you you look at Coons. I mean, he's still alive, and he's a big old prostitute. <laughs> And then, and then the one that the one that I, I that I just love the most, and you oh, here guess who I'm going to say? Who am I going yeah. to say? <laughs> <laughs> who am I going to say? <laughs> no, go ahead and tell everyone your favorite artist, most contemporary. <laughs> now remember, the gentleman just passed away not too long ago, so be nice. And now he's the man that shall not be named, <laughs> the painter of light, <laughs> and, and 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 the whole world knows who that is. Kincaid, the painter yeah, of life. Thomas Kincaid. Uh, An argument to use what you're saying. I, I found that most artists tend to be introverts. I think there's a very few that are extroverts. Uh, Dolly certainly was one. Andy Warhol was extrovert in spades. I mean, and not only was he just outgoing, but he had so many other interests as well. Now, you, you certainly mentioned he liked the party scene and stuff, but... He was big in underground movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly, he was he was gay and unashamed when in a time when that really wasn't talked about still. And I mean, he mm-hmm. was a good twenty years ahead of his time as far as his uh, sexuality, mm-hmm. and didn't didn't phase him. I look at you know, and and then music. He was involved and, and created maybe uh, you know one of the cult bands. Mm-hmm. With his, uh, I guess, he, he, he sponsored, would probably be a good word, the Velvet Underground, which over the years has kind of become a cult group that 
that people follow. And some people probably have not heard of the Velvet Underground, but mm-hmm. they, they were certainly uh, a band ahead of their time uh, in the early 60s. He helped kind of get them going uh, initially. So he had a lot of different interests and stuff. Now, you, you mentioned advertising for Coca-Cola, but he, one of his other statements that Andy made was that what's good about this country is that America started the tradition where the richest consumers can buy essentially the same thing as the poorest. You can be watching TV and see Coca-Cola, and you know that the president drinks Coca-Cola, Liz Taylor drinks Coca-Cola, and just think, you can drink Coca-Cola too. A Coke is a Coke, and no amount of money can give you a better Coke than the one the bum on the corner is drinking. All the Cokes are the same, and all the Cokes are good. Liz Taylor knows it, the president knows it, the bum knows it, and now you know it. (laughs) 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 But, But Andy certainly, you're right, I mean, Andy knew get to where he wanted to go with his art and his interest, he had to be in the spotlight, if you will. And so he certainly, I think, made the conscious decision that that is where he was going to be and that that's what he enjoyed doing. I think he his life was too short, but I think he a lot of his life he thoroughly enjoyed living that part of it. So. Oh, no, I totally agree. I think that uh, he lived his life to the fullest. And considering that he had really uh, a disruptive childhood, uh, meaning that he had serious health issues when he was a child and he was bedridden for months at a time, he did come from a family that that probably that made him seem to the outside world different because his family were immigrants from Czechoslovakia. And I think he was, out of all the children, he was the only child that was actually born in the United States. I could be wrong, but I think that he was the only child. I know he was the youngest, and I think he was the only one born in the United States. So I think to being being different from everybody else in your neighborhood and your school probably did something to his psyche, mean it, uh, be it that, he had to be an extrovert and make them be his friends, or he's going to be an introvert and say, "Forget you." And when I become an adult, you're going to become you're going to come clamoring to me instead of running from me, and then I'm going to dismiss you. You know, typically that's whichever path you go. When you're the outsider in school growing up, and you're the outsider, you take one of two of those positions. So, and either position will get you to this spot if you take it to the extreme. And he was an extremist, and so that's what he did. So, I think that, and he was drawing and painting from a young age. So, there's no doubt that he did. He had an interest in it. I just really think that it was more about being a celebrity and being famous, and the art came second. That's just my opinion, and uh, you know, and everyone has one, <laughs> and everyone's and everyone's opinion stinks. <laughs> so you know, my opinion means absolutely nothing. It's just my opinion. I'm not going to discredit the fact that indelibly he has had a significant influence on the art scene in the decades that he was alive and painting. And 25 years after his death, he still has a tremendous influence on modern, young, contemporary artists. And you see a lot of artists today 
mimicking his style. And he did have several styles. And and some people discredit his talent because he had multiple styles. But actually, I don't discredit him because I think as uh, as an artist grows, matures, they should be evolving. They should be changing. You know, what you did two years ago shouldn't be what you're doing now. And what you were doing now is not what you should be doing two and five years from now. I mean, your work should always be evolving, you know, moving to the next thing, even if it's in the same genre. I mean, I'm not saying you have to jump from screen art to print art to what to computer art. I mean, if, if painting and oils is what you do, then that's what you do. But still, your technique and your style and what you're doing with those oil paints should be evolving over time. And if you're not evolving over time, then you're just really not growing and maturing. So I, I, I like to see the different collections of artists, and I like to see their periods and say this is the period of the early 60s and this is the period of the late 60s. You know, for me, that's the period of the uh, early 80s. That's the period of the 90s. This is what, you know, she's doing now in the 2000s. It should be different. It should be evolving. I give him credit for that, and I give him credit for not being afraid to do different things. He certainly, along with a handful of others, certainly brought pop art, brought it into vogue uh, in well, his day. Well, there was no day. such thing as pop art. There was no such thing as pop art <laughs> until you know his uh, those painters Warhol of that time, time period. Yeah, of that time period, they were the ones that that was the movement just as there was no Impressionism until Monet and Monet and, and Gauguin and and, and, da, and Degas and the rest of them, Cassandre, they were the movement of the Impressionisms. If they had not existed, Impressionism painting would not have come into effect. It's not that they brought something into vogue. They actually created something. And that I give him credit for. I mean, he was part of an avant-garde movement, that took hold because there's a lot of avant-garde movements that never get any further than the street corner that you're sitting on. But, you know, who brought it to the masses? You know, I'll give it. It was Warhol because, you know, he was a TV hound. <laughs> he, liked, he liked his picture. <laughs> well, we need and to pause briefly here for a commercial. And I think given that, we, that's a, a good segue. And just want to remind the viewers that you can purchase great works of contemporary art by going to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants today. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, Again, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and complete the volume purchaser's request form and see what great deals are available for you. We're speaking of the pop art movement, but I think that, you know, we see a lot of that continuation. You're, you were speaking of seeing art change and evolve. see a lot of today's art, uh, you know, urban art. It's called graffiti art that can probably trace its roots back to the pop art movement of Andy Warhol. Uh, yeah, I, I'll give you that. Absolutely, absolutely. At first, I think that uh, the the graffiti art of the late '90s and on really uh, took a turn, and it, it became uh, pop art esque. 
But interestingly enough, graffiti art moved from an inner city expressionist type of art form to a mainstream uh, art form. So it wasn't just that person uh, who couldn't get their hands on, you know, fine paints and brushes and canvases, and they were using spray cans to express their their artistic aptitudes and thoughts, and it moved to almost uh, an upper-middle-class type situation where, yeah, you were using spray cans and spray paint, but you were using uh, paint from Sean Williams. (laughs) 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 She knew they weren't too happy about that. (laughs) That's true. I agree that I think that um, it did. Graffiti art from the late 90s on really did kind of have a a throwback to that pop art-esque type movement. And you see that a lot of young artists that are coming up in their early 20s that are painting and trying to become professional artists, you see a lot of them kind of doing that throwback to to that pop art and Andy Warhol and Lichtenstein type movement. Well, the thing I always found interesting about Andy Warhol was that, you know, his mediums changed during his time. Of course, he got a degree in fine arts, but it was more of an art technology, doing illustrations and, and that sort of work, and that's exactly what he did early in his career. But he was one of the first. He came up, or adopter, of the silk screening. Certainly is going on today with, you see a lot of, art on that's used in silk screening on t-shirts and I know even contemporary art gallery online has some um, those type artists and it's become a very very popular and the other thing I thought found very interesting was that uh, he used computers 1985 there wasn't a whole lot of computers around <laughs> of course I'm sure it took money and Andy had money to have a computer, but, you know, he did some of his late, or his artwork at the very end of his life was, you know, he used a computer to have generated. You know, very cutting edge, I would like to say, in, in his art. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if he were still alive today, being very sickly as a small child and then being shot in the chest didn't help matters any. It really took the years off of his life. And I think that if he had had been a very healthy child growing up and he hadn't been shot in the chest, he would probably still be alive today. And if he were alive today, he would still be creating and he would still be dominating uh, the art world as he did in the 60s and the 70s and even in the early 80s. And he would be generating computer art. And I believe that Contemporary Art Gallery has a few artists that are generating computer art. And he would be right there with them doing some bizarre things with uh, computer-generated art, some very (laughs) bizarre things. I'm sure he would, because I think he did like being in that uh, leading edge. Not that Andy didn't appreciate the fine arts or, or the fine artists, but he wanted to be different, and I don't think... He saw that it had his art had to be totally different as well, and the medium had to be different to set him apart. And I just think that was his motivation. Yeah, I, I, I oh definitely, I think that he wanted to be as different as different could be. And I think that uh, you know he was looking to um, you know push the boundaries 
you know, do something. It's one thing to be different in that, okay, so I'm sort of uh, making my brush strokes wide, I'm going to make them narrow. Or instead of, you know, brushing the paint on, I'm going to dot the paint on. I mean, okay, so those are subtle differences. I mean, he really wanted to do something that was completely out of the realm of thought process different. And he was successful at that. But I still go back to the fact that, I mean, boyfriend was uh, an artist because, one, uh, he was just too weird to go to an office and work. I think he, because I think he would have been fired from every job that he tried to, to work at. I really do. <laughs> There's no way that, that man could have worked in any kind of office. And I, and I, and I further state that there is no way he could have even worked in a department store. He could have worked at the Gap. They would have had to fire him even at the Gap. Because I just don't think that he, he could have managed everyday realm of reality. So he really had no choice but to be an artist, and, and he needed to be successful at it or else. And uh, and I further state that he he loved himself and he just wanted to see his uh, pretty face and uh, pictures because he thought he had a pretty face and I've never seen an artist do so many uh, self portraits of himself than Andy. Think about it. A few of those. Uh, there weren't just a few. There weren't just a few. I mean, it just okay. seems like half of everything he did was of him. One for you, one for me, one Brillo, one for me, one Campbell Soup, one for me, one Elizabeth Taylor, one for me. And then I think I got to a point where he was like, okay, one Lucy, two for me. (laughs) I have never seen so many self-portraits in my life. Well, he was a character. There is no doubt, no doubt. Well, we're running towards the end of the show here. Any last thoughts on Andy Warhol, Sharon? He definitely, he was a huge influence, and uh, some I think that they just modeled themselves completely after after him. Uh, and modern day times, uh, uh, Damien Hurst, Jeff Coons, I think, are two exam- fine examples. Uh, clones of uh, Andy Warhol. And uh, they're clones, not so much that uh, they did exactly what he did, but they're clones in the fact that they are just media whores. You know, just ridiculously so. And both Jeff Coons and Damian Hurst have been repeatedly criticized for being uh, entrepreneurship, just really... The question is, are you out for money or are you out for art? And definitely this question was asked of Andy Warhol all throughout his career and is still being debated as we debated it here briefly uh, this evening. Having said all that, it's a bad thing. No, that's just a jealous artist who has not become a media whore herself (laughs) (laughs) and has become a millionaire herself through her art is just uh, whining and complaining. So, as I said earlier, everyone has an opinion and everyone's opinion stinks. (laughs) 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 What I do say is that if you're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, the Andy Warhol Museum is actually located there on the North Shore. If you're in in the area, definitely you should go and take a look at the museum there and view his work. And then, of course, he's, uh, there's a huge uh, retrospective 
at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and that's there until the end of the year. And I, as much as I want to say that he's not a great artist, and frankly, I think that if he, in years to come, I still think we're too close to his death, but in 100 years from now, I don't know if he'll go down as being one of the greatest artists of all time. Uh, but he will go down in the art annals as being an influential artist. There's no doubt. He will be remembered as an influential artist. And having said that, you should, especially if you're a lover of art and if you're a creator of art, you can always learn something from everybody. And so continue your education and go and visit uh, his, uh, his museum in Pittsburgh or go to a retrospective, coming to a town near you. <laughs> yeah. Well, in my closing is, uh, the thing, when you look at, at Andy's work, he wasn't into perfection. He, I think he kind of abhorred perfection in artwork. He, he thought there should be some flaws to it, and smudges and smears, and you can you can see these in his work. And he was quoted as saying one time, when you do something exactly wrong, you always turn up something. And I, and I think Andy always turned up something. Right, and his one last famous quote uh, is, art is anything you can get away with. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> there, there was one other one, when, I, don't, I, I don't want to talk about it, but it was a, a series that he did, and his note said, that he wasn't all that excited about it, but it's going to sell. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's going to sell. <laughs> sometimes, uh, you know, art motivates a man, and sometimes uh, art's motivated by the money. <laughs> so you asked the age-old question, uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> what? What came first, the money or the art, or the art and the money? <laughs> uh. This is true. Well, Sharon, thank you for being with me tonight on What is Art? Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't have made it last week, but um, I was just really tied up. Not a problem. I also want to thank our listeners for being with us tonight. And again, to view some great contemporary artwork, Visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, where we showcase tomorrow's art giants today. I would also like to inform everyone that Contemporary Art Gallery Online has launched a monthly art competition, and to compete, just go to ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com, click on the Art Competition tab for, for additional information. If you're an artist looking for gallery representation, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and click on the Membership tab and follow the prompts. If you're a designer, architect, or volume purchaser, again, please visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and complete the volume purchaser request form for your great benefits and discounts. What is Art? airs every Wednesday evening at 6.30. So we'll meet again next Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. And until then, have a great evening.